Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. And as always, joined by my trusty sidekick, partner in crime, Mr. Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going, bud? It's going pretty good. Uh, Quite an eventful week in the NFL this past weekend. And, uh, you know, I I think the best thing we can do is is just start uh, discussing it. That sounds good to me. And I, um, well, I, I teased this on Twitter saying that I apologize that the Blitz podcast is going to drop a day late this week because we couldn't record on our normal time frame, so I teased that they'd have to you know, tune in to find out why. I'm going to make them wait a little bit longer. Oh, so perhaps we have another upset in the, in the brewing, huh? Uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So I'll tell you what. Before we get to that point and we start talking about that kind of stuff, you know, we're at the quarter mark of the season just about. So before we know it, we'll be approaching the playoffs. Um, and hopefully playoffs. playoffs, playoffs. Yes, hopefully people can use our our banter to help them make those playoffs. But we can't get there without first throwing it over to you for this week's Blitzed Podcast news. Thank you, Steve. The biggest news of the week was the NFL's show of unity in response to Donald Trump's calling out of players for kneeling during the national anthem. Expecting a similar backlash, Jerry Jones sent a letter to Donald Trump pleading with him to tweet about how much Ezekiel Elliott deserves to be suspended. (laughs) Much has been said about whether or not the New York Jets are attempting to tank to gather the first overall pick in the 2018 NFL draft. Amazingly, Sunday, the Jets pulled off a massive upset of their division rival, Dolphins. Prior to this week's contest, the Jets recently hired PR spokesman Sean Spicer came out and claimed that they were in fact not tanking and that they were trying their best to win each and every week. After the game, Todd Bowles called quarterback Josh McCown into his office where McCown was told that if he had another successful game like this, he would be fired. (laughs) This week featured several upset performances. In addition to the Jets defeating the Dolphins, the Bills defeated the Broncos, the Saints beat the Panthers, the Colts beat the Browns, the Jaguars beat the Ravens, and the Steelers beat themselves. (laughs) In addition to upsets, This week also featured a lot of dramatic finishes. The Patriots came back in the last minute to defeat Houston. The Bears upended the Steelers in overtime. 
the Eagles won a back-and-forth contest on a last-second 61-yard field goal. And perhaps most notably, Atlanta was presented with a victory by a referee's decision with eight seconds remaining on the clock in their game against the Lions. And finally, every member of the Tampa Bay defense is currently injured. Make sure to tune in later this week for updates on whether they will be forced to forfeit next week's game or if the offense will just play both ways. This has been your BPN News Update. You just had to end on injury, didn't you? Uh, you know what? This was a week for injuries, and again, when you look at the Tampa Bay defense, uh, great week for IDP free agency, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, seriously, I thought that I had a chance to make the news this week. I really did. We don't discuss stuff. A lot of people, we, we say this all the time. We don't really discuss specifics before the show because we want it just to be natural and, and roll with it. But there was one specific that you knew, and I was like, maybe Harley will work me into the news. <laughs> no, you can't. I can't no, get a but, news bit. So I, I will say this. The uh, news items were all written before the uh, the breaking news that we'll have here shortly, uh, courtesy of my associate Steve. Breaking? I don't know if breaking is the right word. Maybe um, pop, snap, tear, snap, crackle, pop. Um, yes, I tore my calf muscle yesterday um, when I stepped and felt the pop. I thought it might have been my Achilles. Luckily, it wasn't. I guess, luckily, if that can be. So I'm in a boot for the next month to few months, possibly, depending on how things go and what my doctor says when I see him in less than a week. Well, fortunately, uh, we don't have the, uh, I should say, unfortunately, we don't have the option to place you on IR designated to return. No. Uh, although I do think that if, if that was the case, you should be back strong right about playoff time, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Um, but that's why we missed last night, because I was at the doctor's. We couldn't record. Um, if I'm a little off my game, you can thank the pharmacist for that. And um, just let me say that I hope no one ever tears their calf muscle. It is painful, like a son of a bitch. That's what a son of a bitch is. Not players, a torn calf muscle. Well, and I, I had uh, injuries to my MCL back in high school days. So I, I have some familiarity with uh, going under the knife for, for surgery. Now I assume that uh, you're going to have to have some sort of reattachment surgery or, or where is the tear exactly in the calf? Um, well, that's just that they didn't perform an MRI yet because of the swelling. And that's when we as fans are going, why can't they do the MRI? Why, what are they waiting for? They got to wait for the swelling to go down. Um, and we'll see. So um, I'm in a boot. That's about all I'm hobbling around when I shouldn't be actually. Had a chauffeur today because I can't drive. It's my right foot. Um, Ouch. But I'm surprised that you didn't ask me what strenuous type of exercise or sport I was playing when I did it. Well, I, I figured you were probably mountain climbing or, uh, you know, like yes. speed racing or how, how did you know uh, any, number of, any number of extreme sports. I was doing all of that stuff. You didn't know that? Well, of course. Isn't that a normal Monday night for you? And then... As I'm getting ready to do the show, I forgot to stretch before I walked downstairs. Yes. Well, you know, you, you could have just done like LaShawn McCoy and did your stretches while our background musician played the opening. There you go. Um, no, I actually did it stepping, just changing weight from one foot to the other, stepping down on the stairs. 
No twisting of the ankle, no falling, no nothing. Just boom, it hurt, it popped, it felt like fire. The whole deal. Don't wish it on anybody. Well, don't wish it on anybody, but perhaps now uh, it'll be a little bit harder for you to make fun of guys like Elshon Jeffrey who are perennially hurt for some soft tissue injuries, right? Yes. I, you know what? I already, just a, not even a full day after that, I can tell you, I can see where the soft tissue injuries are nothing to joke about. Well, you know what? That's something good to think about because, again, when you see these guys, uh, who is it, uh, Jordy Nelson, come back and play and, and, and really dominate the uh, game last week, one game removed from a hamstring injury that, for all intents and purposes, should have probably kept him out three to four weeks. It's amazing to see the athleticism and uh, like we don't get to see behind the scenes how much time these guys spend with trainers and with personal therapists and stuff like that, working to keep their bodies yep. as temples. Uh, but then there's guys like us who are uh, older and they were out of shape and uh, we go out there and we try to play pickup basketball and we Ooh. end up with uh, bruises and sprains and breaks and stuff. We're walk down the stairs. Or walk down the stairs, yeah. All right, you know where I want to walk to now? Where would you like to walk? I'd like to walk over to our DFS picks for the week. That's always a good place to go to. Let's do it. Let's go right in. Let's dive right into quarterbacks. I'll let you start. Okay, uh, I'm going to pay up, and I'm going to leave a caveat in this because one thing we really need to talk about is uh, we do our pay up plays and our stay away plays each week. We're going based on prices provided by DraftKings and FanDuel for their Sunday Millionaire Contest. That's that's ultimately their, their biggest uh, contest. So we don't include players from Monday night games. And we don't include players from Thursday night games because those players aren't included in the uh, Millionaire Contest. Now, DraftKings this past weekend threw everyone for a loop, uh, frustrated several owners, and there's been a lot of brushback on Twitter about this. They removed their Sunday night primetime game from their available players to choose in their millionaire contest. Now, again, there's a lot of negative uh, brushback about this. FanDuel, however, has kept the players in the Sunday night primetime games in their millionaire contest, at least for this week. So the guy I'm going to pay up for is only available to be played on FanDuel. He's 7,900, and that's Russell Wilson against Indianapolis. Now, Indianapolis has allowed 297 passing yards per game despite facing the unholy trinity of Jared Goff, Deshaun Kaiser, and the noodle-armed Carson Palmer. Russell Wilson is so much better than any of those three guys, plus he's got the ability to run the ball. I know their offensive line is pretty much piecemeal and dirt, but this is Indianapolis. Even you in your boot could perform well against them. <laughs> That's saying something. Yeah, I mean, you've got a couple of teams in the league that you can get right against usually, and it's the Saints and the Colts usually. Well, and Wilson looked pretty darn good this past weekend too. Uh, so I, I think things are starting to come together. The offensive line is, again, still a work in progress, but they looked a little bit more comfortable this past week. Uh, they're also starting to establish a little bit of a rushing game now with Chris Carson uh, Thomas Rawls is back to health. Uh, Eddie Lacy is still waiver wire chaff, though. Yeah, the only thing I'd be worried a little bit about with Russ is Doug Baldwin's injury. Let's we have to really see what that does to him. But I still think it's a solid play because I don't think many people will be on him. Um, Who are you paying up for? I'm paying up for Matt Ryan at home. I, I just 
I see these quarterbacks. I don't love a lot of the matchups. I know Buffalo's been tough and had some low-scoring games, but at home, I think we see a different Atlanta team against that Buffalo defense. Well, it's interesting you bring up Matt Ryan because he is my stay-away-from player. Again, we don't talk about this beforehand, folks. Uh, Through three games, Buffalo has given up not three, not two, not one, zero passing touchdowns. This isn't new either. Last year, only three teams allowed fewer passing touchdowns. Seattle, incredible secondary. Denver, incredible secondary. And the New York Giants, incredible secondary. Buffalo does not have as good a secondary as any of those three teams, but they're just not giving up passing TDs. Their rushing defense actually is pretty good too, so I'm I'm not super high on either of the running backs in this game. Uh, Yes, Atlanta's at home where they do tend to play a little bit better. But I just have a feeling that this game's going to be low scoring. So you're going to really pin your hopes on Matt Ryan not doing much TD-wise based on the Buffalo Bills facing the New York Jets. The Carolina rudderless Cam Newton is not a quarterback one Panthers. And Trevor Simeon, I'm not really Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos. Again, it's the same thing last year, though. I mean, they okay. finished number four in terms of passing touchdowns allowed. I got you. So now people are just torn. They don't know who to go with, so they probably won't go with them either way. Of course, that was, last year they also faced the Jets twice, the Dolphins twice. <laughs> exactly. They did face Tom Brady twice, but. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, who's your value play? I bet it's the same guy I got. It, it might be. Actually, there's there's a fair amount of value in the, in the mid-tier uh, for the quarterbacks this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to choose Deshaun Watson versus Tennessee. His price tag's 5100 on DraftKings, 7300 on FanDuel. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of any of the mid-tier plays on FanDuel this week because all of the mid-tier quarterbacks are only within like two or 300 of the top-tier guys. Yeah. But the difference in price tag on DraftKings is close to uh, 1000 to 1200 in that range, so they make a little bit more value in there. Uh, Tennessee's real pass defense showed up this past week against Seattle. This is the same one that allowed the fourth-most passing yardage last year. You know... Uh, there's two other guys I'd probably consider this week as a value play. However, both of them burned me heavily in DFS last week, and that was Cam Newton and Jay Cutler. Uh, they both should have had huge games last week. Neither did anything. Uh, if you like, if you're into Schadenfreude, maybe consider one of those two. Other, otherwise, I do like Deshaun as a better option. You know, if I was going to consider one of those two, I honestly think that Jay can bounce back from that. Right now, Cam's just not right, and I'd steer clear of him. Um, my value play, probably a little risky. Um, I did look at Watson. I also looked at Deshaun Kaiser. I decided to go with the guy right between the two of them, Trevor Simeon at 5,200 and 7,500. <coughs> I always like players when they're at home for the most part, unless they're named Julio Jones, who seems to always do much better on the road. Um, and he's playing an Oakland team that just gave up like 7,629 yards and 87 touchdowns to Kirk Cousins, who had had a pretty rough go of it to start the season. So, I think a lot of people are kind of shell-shocked by that result of that game because, again, you're, you're talking about one of the AFC favorites to contend with the New England Patriots coming into the season for potential to be at least in the AFC championship game, if not potentially represent the AFC in the finals. And they, they basically got beat uh, five ways to Friday by the uh, – Washington R words in uh, in Washington, you know, they really hadn't 
performed very well offensively coming into this game. Yeah, they hadn't. Um, I will say this. It is tough to come west to east, though, right? That is true. But then I had quickly somebody throw back at me, but the Raiders were 8-0 coming from west to east prior to that game. So I still stand by it's tough to do. It doesn't matter if they were 8-0 in years past. You know, although it's different. People are different. It's just it's not an easy thing to do. The only possible concern I would have in that matchup would be if Oakland is so incredibly embarrassed by how poorly they performed that they, like, forced themselves to sell out to stop everything this week. I can see that. If anything, I could see maybe a bigger shootout that we're, than we're expecting, so... He's cheap. You can build around him. That's what I like about him. That's true. Uh, And again, he's definitely one of my value flavors this week. Uh, Running back, who are you paying up for? Well, I really don't want to pay up for anybody because I just don't have a good feeling about any of them, but that'd be a cop-out, so I've got to pick someone. So I'm going to go with a guy that's playing at home, (coughs) and that would be Ezekiel Elliott. You know, nothing wrong there. Obviously, Ezekiel showed this past week that he can play when he wants to, and at least he can also play whenever the league lets him. So, you know, give him a good matchup. Give him a chance to carry the rock a little bit. And I think he'll be just fine uh, this week and going forward, at least as long as the NFL says it's okay. And I'm just going to be honest. I'm not thrilled with his matchup this week. I'm just not. But I think if I'm going to pay up for somebody, he's the guy I'd be, I'd be paying up for. Well, you know what? I, I already mentioned that I was a little scared that the Miami, I'm sorry, not the Miami, that the Atlanta Buffalo game would be kind of low scoring. One player I'm actually going to pay up for this week, though, is LaShawn McCoy. Uh, And I'm only going to do it based on one stat in particular. And that's the fact that Atlanta is allowing an average of nine receptions and 73 yards per game through the air to opposing running backs. LaShawn McCoy may or may not be able to run the ball effectively in this game. But everybody is catching the ball out of the backfield against Atlanta. And realistically... I mean, it's not like Buffalo has a lot of other players to throw the ball to, so I fully expect that they'll target LaShawn McCoy a fair amount. He might have another sub-30-yard rushing performance, but if he gets nine receptions and 73 yards, it's a good that's going to more than pay up for it. So, And you want to know what else? And this, I, my, my um, value at quarterback, I almost went with Tyrod um, because I think Atlanta's going to put a lot of points up. There's going to be a lot of garbage time. But what kept me away is that Atlantic defense is fast. I know, I know that Beasley's out right now, but that defense is fast. They got speed. That's just kind of what scares me away from Tyrod and McCoy a little bit. Well, who are you going to stay away from? I'm staying away from a guy on the road this week that he's had a little bit of troubles. He kind of got back where he should be. In a, he had, you know, the volume was there, but the performance wasn't great. I'm staying away from Le'Veon Bell. Baltimore's defense, while they got shredded, absolutely just shredded by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That defense is pretty good against the run. Um, They were missing one of their best players in their defensive tackle. So if he gets back, then that's another ding against Bell. If he's out, then I can see playing Bell. But I'm going to go on the assumption that I don't want to play him on the road coming off such a stinging defeat as the Ravens did. Yeah, we talk a lot of times about aberration performances and I think it's pretty safe to assume that that London performance by the Baltimore defense was an aberration, uh, basically pervade because of the injury in the in the middle of their defensive uh, line. Plus, again, you're, you're traveling to an unfamiliar stadium to play 
you're dealing with an offense that basically performed three and outs on every single play. That defense was on the field way too much in that game. Yep. Uh, so again, I, I think that what you saw there was nowhere indicative of what you can expect from Baltimore's rush defense, at least going forward. Uh, the player I'm staying away from should be fairly obvious to a lot of people too. That's Marshawn Lynch going into Denver. Uh, Denver's allowed 2.4 yards per carry so far to opposing running backs and an average of 47 yards per game to opposing running backs. Uh, number of touchdowns they've allowed on the ground this year, zero. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I just, I wasn't high on Lynch coming into the season. I haven't seen anything that's made me think he's special um, or anything like the Marshawn that was in Seattle. So, yeah, I can, and at $5,000, it's, it's, I mean, it's, He's not priced very high. It's almost like they're trying to tempt you into taking him. So I kind of like that as a stay away. One player I'm going to value pick this week uh, is kind of a risky play, I'm going to say, just because he lost a fair amount of touches to another running back in the Monday night tilt. And that's Chris Johnson. Johnson's going to be facing San Francisco. And San Francisco is allowing an average of 148 combo yards per game to opposing running backs. Todd Gurley just completely rolled up on him in that matchup last week. I, I really think that this is the old man Johnson's last chance to prove that he deserves to be the featured running back there while David Johnson's out. Uh, if he doesn't get it done this week, I know we already saw a lot of Andre Ellington on Monday night. If, if Chris Johnson doesn't get it done this week against San Francisco, uh, his main role in that offense is probably over. Yeah, um, I think Ellington's going to have a little bit of a bigger role, but I can, I still can see that you, you want CJ as value. And I, I don't have any problem with that at all, quite honestly. Um, my value play is probably the guy that's the only and best player on his offense right now. Um, I lost his salary for some reason. I got to find his salary. Um, let's see, where did he go? There he is, $4,500 and 6000 Duke Johnson. He's scoring rushing touchdowns. He's catching the ball yep. out of the backfield. He's playing slot receiver. There's a lot to like about Duke Johnson. Uh, and my, my only concern there is, uh, again, is this the week that Cincinnati gets Vontaze Burfecht back? Well, again, I don't, I'm not a big fan of when players are first back on the field either. Um, but, and Cincinnati does rank in the bottom half of teams – against running back points. Um, but with that said, it's a home game, and the PPR aspect of it, I just think that Duke's a nice value play at 4500 He'll help you to get some more expensive receivers in your lineup. Well, I think he was definitely the uh, the proper play this past week as price tag, uh, particularly for all the people who were suckered into buying into uh, the Rashad Higgins uh, fallacy from two weeks ago. <laughs> or the Or the Buck Allen. Oh, a lot of people got burned by Buck Allen, myself included. Yep. So let's go wide receiver. Did you give your value play? Yeah. You yes, did. I did. Chris see? Johnson. See, there you go. That's the, the meds. Blame it on the meds. <coughs> um, wide receiver, who are you paying up for? Well, I'm going to pay up for a guy who I could have made fun of in the news today, but I chose not to. Uh, he decided to, uh, to desecrate a stadium last week by uh, – getting down on all fours and uh, pretending to uh, urinate like a dog. Yes. That was Odell Beckham. Uh, They're facing Tampa Bay, and as I mentioned in the news, Tampa Bay 
is so just completely destroyed by injury right now. They may be signing cornerbacks off the street and playing them significant snaps this week. That's how bad their defense is in terms of injuries right now. Odell Beckham, Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, uh, even the running back, Shane Vereen, Paul Perkins perhaps even gets back into play this week as as a possible sneaky uh, bottom of the barrel, no one's going to draft him type pick. Hush your mouth. Start any player possible on the Giants this week because Tampa Bay is – devoid of talent right now i mean i hate to say it because it's one of our one of our favorite teams coming into this year but they're in bad shape yeah the injury bug the injury bug all right i'm paying up for a squeaky wheel going back to the well aj green he's on the road you know i don't like that against cleveland it might not be a, a shootout but this could be the week we see both these teams put up a decent game kind of like san francisco and the rams did that came out of nowhere. No one is, was expecting that kind of output. Um, but I think A.J. Green's still going to get worked in that offense. He's still going to get his targets. And if I'm going to pay up for anybody up top, I kind of like his value a little bit more because it gives you just a tad more value that you can eke out versus going Antonio Brown and, and Beckham. Well, again, when you look at those top price guys, uh, I think everyone went into the season with uh, <clears throat> four, maybe five wide receivers as the consensus top five, A.J. Green was right there, along with uh, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, and the guy that I'm staying away from this this week, and that's Mike Evans. Oh, we agree on something, finally. It's finally! Been, I think it's been like three weeks, maybe. Uh, Mike Evans, uh, he's going from hard to harder. Yep. Last week he had, he had to deal with Xavier Rhodes. Now he gets Janoris Jenkins. Ouch! <laughs> the, the only plus for him is that he's at home. But, yeah, I, I don't like that matchup. And, and it's hard to say that I want to stay away from Evans because he's such a talent. But I'm with you. Well, again, he, he's not going to give you three times his salary. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I don't think so either. So who's your value play? You know, I'm going to stretch here deep, deep into the oh. well of picks here and choose. Let's see if we can go two for two. Curtis Samuel nope. at New England. Nope, not two for two. Carolina will be behind in this game. There's no denying that. Kelvin Benjamin is probably on the negative side of questionable, even though he says he's fine. Uh, Devin Funches will likely be the number one wide receiver option for Cam Newton this week, which, again, considering Cam Newton's play this week or this season, it's it's probably not that blessing in disguise type of thing. But if he's the number one, then Samuel becomes the number two. In the last two weeks, number two wide receivers have scored and top 70 yards against New England. Well, I'm going to go with a guy who's probably not as much of a value on the salary side as I'd like to go. I usually like to dig a little bit deeper. But I'm going to go with a guy that I feel most people probably are a little jaded by and want to stay away from him because they've gotten burned because of expectations. They missed a big week, then they got on. They missed it. because You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I like Kenny Galladay this week against the Vikings. Why do I like him against the Vikings, Harley? I bet you can speak. You can speak for me on this. I know you can. Two, two words: Trey Waynes. There you go. Because he will not draw Xavier Rhodes. And by the way, I saw this on Twitter. Is it Xavier or Xavier? Xavier. Okay, Xavier Jones. Xavier. I just call it whatever Xavier. Well, and it, it's interesting because I assume Galladay will be lined up outside. I assume Marvin Jones Jr. will be lined up outside, and I assume that. Golden Tate will predominantly man the slot. 
Now, Rhodes hasn't stated, and neither has Mike Zimmer, in regards to whether or not he will shadow Marvin Jones Jr. or if he'll shadow Golden Tate. But it's fairly safe to say that he won't be predominantly locked up on Galladay, despite Galladay's size, yep. speed, and, uh, and other traits that he certainly is going for him. Yeah, I don't think that Zimmer will go after the rookie. I think he'll go after one of those other guys, quite honestly. So that's why I like Galladay. I think he's a value at that price. Now, the only caveat I will say to starting players against Trey Waynes, who, who is constantly picked upon, is that his their stats against Trey Waynes get neutralized a little bit by the fact that Trey Waynes constantly gets called for 30 and 40 yard pass interference. True, calls. true. But now, but look at this. Two players above Galladay, you have Kenny Britt at 4,300. Non-starter know? this week. You know, I mean, that's just, and even I look below that and your Curtis Samuel, which is a deep dive, is only a hundred dollars cheaper. That's true. So uh, another guy to consider this week, I think in that low tier is, uh, one of my favorite pickups from a couple of weeks ago, and that's Marquise Lee. Uh, there was a lot of question mark about whether Ellen Hearns or Marquise Lee would get most of the rub with Ellen Robinson out. Strangely enough, Ellen Hearns' price tag is more than Marquise Lee's, despite the fact that Marquise Lee has led the team in targets each of the last two games without Ellen Robinson. There you go. Okay. Want to move in the tight end? Sounds good. Who are you paying up for? Well... It's so easy to say I'm going to pay up for Gronk, but I'm not paying up for Gronk this week. I'm not playing, paying up for him because Carolina just doesn't scare me in New England, and I don't think that the Pats are going to have to put much on pedal on the metal or metal on the pedal, whatever. I can't put anything on the metal because my foot's in a boot. Um, I'm paying up for Zach Ertz. I don't love this matchup for Philadelphia going in to L.A. to play the Chargers. I like it more that Verrett's not in um, and that – and that defense in the middle at linebacker has been injury ravaged also this year. So I think Ertz is just going to keep it up. He's a safe play if you're going to pay up for a tight end. Well, it's a story as old as time. The Chargers secondary is dealing with injuries. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, uh, I went to the well with the Sunday night game on FanDuel only as my pay up at quarterback. I'm going to go to the well with the Sunday night only game on FanDuel for my tight end as well. And that's Jimmy Graham. Uh, with potentially no Doug Baldwin, we don't know yet. I really think that Graham could see more targets. Uh, Indianapolis has allowed more than 60 yards to the position in each of their first games. And they allowed, in their first two games, I should say, and they allowed 45 yards on a score to the tight end position last week. So they can be beaten by tight ends, particularly bigger, taller tight ends, which Jimmy Graham is. Okay, so talking about bigger tight ends and badder tight ends and better tight ends and um, caveman tight ends, I'm going to stay away from Rob Gronkowski this week. Not because he's not an uber talent. I just don't love this matchup, and it's not that I'm saying that Carolina's that tough defensively. I just don't know that they're going to have to try and score too much. And they do have an all-world you know, linebacker named Luke Keekley who can hang with Gronk if need be. Well, and again, if you are looking at potential players that can beat Carolina's defense, you probably don't want to look at the guys who are going to be covered by that elite linebacker core, which is definitely the strength of the Carolina defense. Yep. So, yes, I, again, Gronk will probably still have 60 or 70 yards. He'll probably catch a touchdown. But, again, 
you're looking for a guy who's going to pay up, who's going to provide you three times uh, performance based on his salary. And realistically, I mean, the upside just isn't there for Gronk this week. Nope. So <clears throat> who are you staying away from? Well, I'm going to stay away from Delaney Walker at Houston. Uh, Gronk's touchdown against Houston last week is only the fourth tight end touchdown that Houston has allowed since the start of 2016. Uh, most teams have a hard time moving the ball uh, to the tight end position against Houston. I know that Houston has some issues with their secondary right now, too. But Delaney Walker's been just been very pedestrian this year, and he's already seeded two, passing uh, two receiving touchdowns to rookie Janu Smith. So even if he isn't, even if they do throw the ball at their tight ends, there's no guarantee that Walker's going to be the one to get the touchdown. Okay. I don't disagree with you because I told you before, I think that Delaney's going to have a hard time finishing as a top 12 tight end this year. Um, we'll see. So who are you going to pay up for? I'm sorry, not pay up. Who's your value play this week? Well, again, uh, I'm just going to reach down into the bottom of the well and, uh, Magic 8-Ball says try again later, but uh, I'll reach back down one more time, and the name that comes up is Ed Dixon at New England. New England has given up a tight end touchdown in each of their first three games. Uh, over those three games, they are allowing an average of seven catches and 66 yards to the position. Again, Kelvin Benjamin probably won't play. Not a lot of other targets to throw to there other than Christian McCaffrey and uh, the Ever reliable, <laughs> reliable Devin Funches. So uh, we're going to go with Ed Dixon as a safety valve, possibly catching a touchdown there. Again, it, it's a touchdown heavy uh, prediction, but again, he might get thirty or forty yards receiving too. You know, that ties back into what I almost did at running back. I almost stayed away from Christian McCaffrey because I expect him really to—he's the playmaker that's left. You got Kelvin Benjamin out, like you said, you got Funches. And you've got Samuel. So who's Bill going to take away in that offense that scares him the most? I think you take away Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah, there could be a touchdown or two for Dixon. Dickinson. Dixon. Whatever. You know what I mean. I was going to say again, it, it, it's player not Greg Olson. Yes. <laughs> so the guy that I'm going to take as my low-value play at tight end is Jared Cook. Um, I don't love that he's on the road in Denver. But the Denver defense – has given up, on average, the seventh most points to tight ends this year. And Crabtree got banged up pretty good in Monday night, so there's no telling just how much of availability he'll be, whether he is or he's limited. So I think that Cook, against that defense, is going to be a safety valve play for Mr. Carr. Well, I hope our listeners uh, took my advice and played Jared Cook last week because he actually performed pretty well in that game. Yes, he did. He really did. So that's it for our DFS segment. We're running long, but we're not going to jip people because you and I talked about this via email about what did we want to talk about this week. And I think we should spend a few minutes, even if it's just five or so, on how do you make, what's the process for making start-sit decisions? Because we, <coughs> we get those questions all the time. I get them on the tele when, when I'm online um, doing my radio show with Steve out of Tampa on um, 620 WDAE. You don't know what the callers are going to say. You've got to analyze it and just run through it and make that decision quickly. I don't memorize rankings. So let's talk about process a little bit. For you, what is one of the key things that you do to help you make start-sit start, sit decisions? Well, the first thing I like to do is look at the potential game script. And 
if the uh, game is going to be out of hand early, does that affect that whether or not a running back will be used a lot in the second half to kind of grind down the game? But at the same time, the opposite of that is also true. If your team falls behind early or is expected to fall behind early, you can pretty much assume that that running back for the opposing team is not going to have a lot of value in that game because they're going to be forced to throw the ball more. So I, I think that's probably the first thing I look at, at least from determining a, a player's uh, start-sit value each week, is what does the game script suggest for that player? And I think that's a great thing, especially with what happened to Baltimore, because I think game script is what kind of hurt Buck Allen a little bit. They got pulled out of their game plan after, because they got down so big so fast, et cetera. So, yes, game script's important. For me, another thing is the risk-reward aspect of it. Um, which when you're taking calls or you're taking Twitter stuff, you can't see what your opponent's lineup is. But for me, that's a huge part of it. No, I don't really care who they have, but it does have to impact my decision some because I, that helps me understand if I'm an underdog and do I have to go for a Deshaun Jackson type who's a boom-bust play or a guy that might have much, much lower ceiling but a much higher floor just to get some safe points. Yeah, a lot of people were surprised uh, with start-sit questions on Sunday. I kept telling people to start guys like Deshaun Jackson over DeAndre Hopkins yeah. or over Amari Cooper or over these other players last week on, on Twitter. And, I mean, if you just compare the two names on paper for the season, you'd say, Harley, what are you smoking? Yeah. But, again, it's it's so important to, to A, know, know who your player is facing and know how that team performs against, again, you don't need to know exactly so-and-so is fifth best against something. What you do have to know, though, is that a team like Denver, a team like Seattle, have premier cornerbacks. So it's not in your best interest to start guys against it. Mark, uh, Marcus, Mike Evans last week against Rhodes. Yep. A lot of people were, were asking me about Mike Evans compared to other receivers. And again, here's the thing. It's hard to bench on Mike Evans because you drafted him in the first round. He is a consensus top five dynasty wide receiver. But you have to know that he is not going to perform as a wide receiver one this week. And that's what you're doing by, by starting a guy like Mike Evans, even in a situation where he's got a tough matchup. Is If you go into that matchup assuming that Mike Evans is going to give you wide receiver one production, that's where you're in trouble. Yeah, and you know another part of it too is Hindsight. We don't have the, you know, the luxury of hindsight when we were making these calls because, as an example, Stefan Diggs. I was clear, do not play Stefan Diggs this week. I own Stefan Diggs. I didn't play Stefan Diggs. Ask me if I regret not playing him. The answer is no. Do, do you regret not playing Stefan Diggs this week? I do not. I do not. You want to know why? Because <clears throat> the process of making that decision was right. Yes. You have Case Keenum back in the lineup. He didn't do anything the week prior. And it was a tough matchup. He outperformed it. He, he over, you know, overdid expectations. It happens. But as long as the process is right, now where I say hindsight would help, we should have realized an extra week not taking backup snaps, et cetera, would have helped Keenum. Well, and I think I, I, I kind of went to the well for Case Keenum a week too early. Uh, and part of that was me not giving the Pittsburgh defense enough credit for being – as borderline elite as they've actually turned out to be. Uh, and Case Keenum is a veteran quarterback in this league. Yep. He's played in the playoffs. He has experience. He's thrown 300-yard games before. 
he's capable of performing solid. And when you look at the backups around the league, there's a lot of bad backups in this league. Case Keenum is actually a pretty darn good backup. And I, I think people, again, they'll associate names. Uh, Stefan Diggs, he's not as huge a name in the NFL wide receiver circles as a guy such as Odell Beckham. Right. A lot of that is probably positive because he isn't going out on Twitter and he's not Des Bryant. He's, he's not going out on Twitter and bad-mouthing his opponents each week. Stephon Diggs, very quiet, very subtle player. Uh, and on the field, he does his talking on the field, which I think we're seeing this year. This is his third season in the league. He's really starting to blossom even that much more. Now, you pair him opposite a uh, guy like Adam Thielen on the other side, who is a great point-per-reception catcher. Uh, he's not afraid to go across the middle of the field, uh, really blue-collar type wide receiver. That gives two legitimate weapons on the outside for Case Keenum to throw to. They also have a former Pro Bowler at tight end in Kyle Rudolph. So they've got passing options in the game for, for Mr. Keenum to throw to. Add to that a potentially solid pass-catching running back this year in Delvin Cook, something the Vikings haven't had in the last six years with Adrian Peterson, is a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield consistently. In previous years, they'd bring in uh, Jarek McKinnon uh, on third downs, and there'd be no question what was going to happen. It, it, suddenly, it was not going to be a running play. It was going to be a passing play as soon as everyone saw Jarek McKinnon get on the field. With Delvin Cook, they can do a little bit of both. So again, we both kind of undershot what Case Keenum was capable of, and I, I think that that was a bad decision on our part. But again, too, if you looked at the updates Sunday morning and saw the players who were scheduled to be out for Tampa Bay, even before the number of injuries they sustained in the game, they had a lot of players out prior to the game yeah. at important skill positions on the defensive side, which could have encouraged you to take a shot on a guy like Diggs or Thielen or Case Keenum even. Okay, so we've got game script. We've got um, risk. What else? Well, as I just started talking about their injuries, injuries to the opposition. Now, if you are a player, again, I'm looking at Tampa Bay versus the Giants this week. Yep. Would I normally be inclined to give a starting grade to Sterling Shepard? No. However, this week, I'm willing to give him a uh, roughly a, a C-level grade as a starter if I need a player to fill in for an injured player or whatnot because there's just so much doubt about who will be covering him on the defensive side. Yep. And here's another thing. When you tell me that it's a flex play and you go, it's a flex between DeAndre Hopkins and you know some third-level wide receivers that are usually wide receiver three or four but have good matchups. I can tell you right now, I'm almost always going to default to the guy that has the overall better skill set and upside, like Hopkins, even if it's not the best matchup, as a flex. Well, it's interesting you mentioned flex because I get a lot of times questions. It's like they'll be in a PPR format and they'll want to, do I start so-and-so receiver or do I start so-and-so running back? I, I think one of the questions last week was <clears throat> uh, middle of middle of the pack receiver or Jaquiz Rogers. I am always, even in a PPR format, going to suggest the running back. Because what you're talking about is a starting running back. 
And when you look at starting running backs in most situations, they're going to get more total touches than any third or fourth tier receiver. Now, what they do with those touches is another story altogether. But whenever you have more touches, you've got more potential points. And again, if if you're a running back, other than Adrian Peterson, you can buy the backfield, you might get peppered with a few passes. So if I'm choosing between Ty Montgomery and say, again, I'm trying to think of a, of a mediocre receiver, uh, Mohamed Sanu, who actually had a pretty good week last week. Uh, yeah. Price tag-wise, there was maybe a $500, $600 difference between the two. But you know what? Ty Montgomery is going to touch the ball a heck of a lot more. So if you're looking for that flex play, even in a PPR format, I tend to err on the side of the running back. Now, talking about flex plays, the guy that's not at the bottom of the totem pole, but on the ass end side of the totem pole, for me, is a tight end. You really don't want to play tight ends in the flex position if you're looking for a big game. Go look at the rates of tight ends scoring above 20 points versus running backs and wide receivers. It's just it's a very, very low occurrence. So I'm not saying if you, you want that 8 to 10 points that you might not have a solid tight end you could put in there, but if you're looking for big points in your flex spot, forget about tight ends. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, one of my big strategies last year, and I really haven't implemented it yet this year, but uh, on DraftKings you're allowed to start a flex player. And last year I spent a lot of time putting a second tight end into that position based solely on the fact that the tight end position prices are drastically right. weighted down at DFS sites. And now that's a, so, different, that's a different story, though. I'm talking season. That is a different story stuff. altogether. I agree. Yep. Absolutely. Because, yeah, if you can do something like that to, to be able to free up salary, that's a whole another. In a sense, you get to steal some points from that other player and add them to your tight end. Yes. So, yeah. All right. Anything else we want to – any other kind of nuggets we want to drop on them with regards to the process of making start-sit questions? Well, the best advice I can give people when they need to make a start-sit question is send an email or send a text to, or follow us on Twitter because we're more than happy to answer your start-sit questions every week. Yeah, and I'll tell you one last thing too. Sometimes reverse engineering the start-sit question is the easiest way to do it. Somebody will say, I need two out of these five. Well, I just go straight to the, okay, you can't start this guy. There's one out. You know what I mean? Okay, now, you know what? I don't love this guy's matchup. There's two out. So now we just got to figure out the other person. So sometimes, you know, working in reverse can also be a benefit. Well, I thought of one other great tool for people when they're making that start-sit decision. Going to thehuddle.com. There you go. I was going to say, yeah, we probably should we probably should pimp our own site a little bit. Yes, they can look at our rankings, our, our start-sit sheets, all those kind of stuff. Every week uh, you can go on there, set in... Your special, your special. I, I can, I, I talk like I'm special. Too. Uh, yeah, my mom your, says I'm special. <clears throat> you, you can type in your league's scoring specifics yep. into our search engines, and it will give you rankings based on those scoring specifics. So if you are looking at them, you can see what our experts predict those players will perform. And again, a simple, quick glance will tell you that this player is higher on the list than the other player. There's your answer for start sit. Yeah, I mean, in the default system I use for when I'm looking at the, the, the site, last week David had Carlos Hyde and Todd Gurley ranked 1-2. You could have had a different scoring system that may have changed that. It's pretty good. 
Yep. I was, I was like, yeah, let's see how many people say they had those guys that high after the Thursday game. David had it beforehand. With that, I think it's time to call it an episode. So make sure that you're following my man Harley at Nuclear Harley. So that way you can get your start sit questions answered. And as for me, I'm going to go do some icing up, son. But you can still follow me on Twitter at Steve Gallo NFL. And as always, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers.